The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out cybionicscgm.com. How's it going? It's Owen here, and this is a bite-sized episode of the Insulone Podcast, Redefining Diabetes. Every week, we'll dip back into the episode archive and get you to think and reflect once more about some of the things we've learned from the podcast over the last few years. It could be some diabetic wisdom, advice, a great guest, or even a hypo story. So enjoy this bite-sized episode of the Insulone Podcast. Amy says, I was binging through your amazing Insulone Podcast for the first time. Got through 22 episodes yesterday. In a day. What? So listen, so on average, on average, one of our episodes are about half an hour, 35 minutes. Some are more, some are less. So Amy listened to it for, we'll say, 11 hours. <laughs> oh my God, that's absolutely unreal. Amy, I love you. That's so, amazing. Uh, <laughs> You're probably so sick yes. of hearing us talk. Oh my God. I can't, like... I struggle to even listen back to these episodes because I, like, <laughs> I almost want to punch myself. <laughs> uh, got through 22 episodes yesterday as I'm a newly diagnosed diabetic. Mm. I found a ridiculous amount of similarities between me and your friend Danny. Danny Gallagher, one of the first guests we had on, you, you uh, went to college with him. One of yeah. my favorite episodes. Amy goes on. I'm 27. Went to the doctor for a UTI infection where my glucose readings came up high. Been to St. Michael's in Dunleary. And I'd signed up to do the Gale Force 10K in Bray. And I work in graphics. A lot mm. of similarities there. Indeed. But, but I'm a bit of an oddball. And I was trying to find someone like me with a similar story. I had no symptoms and no ketones in my initial glucose test, even though it was 26.2. In another test, they found ketones, but I don't have a car yet. So by the time I got back to my doctor to get a referral and then to A&E, I went down to 7.8 and lo and behold, the ketones were gone. It took me a while to get into St. Michael's due to the recent cyber attack. Cheers, wizard spiders. Now, <laughs> i got to explain wizard spider here now. So why wizard spider were a group of Russian hackers who hacked the Irish health system, took all our information, and then sold it on the dark web for people to try and get money out of us, to which I am receiving about two or three calls from hackers every single day trying to get my bank information. So I'll read it. So it took me a while to get into St. Michael's due to the recent cyber attack, but even they were unsure whether I, whether I was type one or type two. On one hand, my dad had type one and my uncle has type 1.5, LADA. Now we've talked about LADA before, haven't we? Oh. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I hadn't lost weight, 
had no symptoms and was responding to the metformin tablets, which my doctor put me on to stop getting highs, although it was giving me lows in the middle of the day. Let me just briefly say before you continue, Graham, sorry, Leda is latent autoimmune diabetes of adults, just to be to clarify that. So it's basically it's sometimes considered the in between type one and type two. It tends to develop more slowly than type one, but because it can appear similar to type one and type two, it can sometimes be misdiagnosed as type one or type two. Okay. So to give you an example, a a client that I had like about a year ago now, I think he was told he had LADA or LADA for a number of months before being officially told that he was actually type one. God, it's mad. But anyway. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a mad one. So they sent off blood tests. I was given info about diabetes and I was essentially in no man's land. Time would tell what form of diabetes I would have. And I just hoped that I was running in the right direction when it came to managing it. I just got news last Friday that my GAD antibodies came back. My lovely nurse said the normal range is two to five, while mine was 59. So it looks like type one. My main questions are, do you know anyone with a similar story to mine? Where an early type one or even someone with LADAT was picked up by chance, how do you deal with being in limbo? And can you ask Danny what hip bag he had on his Helen Helen back run? I'm pretty outdoorsy. I was planning on climbing Loch Nequilla with my boyfriend next month, but I'm still a bit weary and I don't really know how to prepare for a big hike now. What should I have on me? I have my first 10K in October and I don't want anything holding me back, especially diabetes. I would be so grateful for any advice. I'm off to binge another 22 episodes now. (laughs) And that is from Amy. That is a great email. Yeah, great email. Thank you, Amy. Thank you a lot. I always appreciate people listening. And particularly if you listen to 22 episodes Mm -hmm. in one day, that's a frightening amount of episodes. So I really appreciate it. And like Andrew's email, There's a lot in that one, a lot to try and unpack, but I briefly touched on the later. I briefly touched on whether or not I knew someone who kind of had a similar story. The only one that I can think of is that ex-client that I had who sounds like we broke up, a client (laughs) that I had previously who was misdiagnosed for, I think, a number of months before he was officially diagnosed as type one. So other than that, I couldn't really offer any more insight into that because I don't know anybody else. Asking Danny about his his hip bag for the hell and back race. I might put Danny in touch with you. What do you think, Graham? Hold on a second now. Does she mean, uh, I got mixed up. What? That's because I kind of laughed when I read hip bag. I thought she meant hip as in cool. And only when you said it there, you mean hip as in a well, bag that's what I got from it, around your hip? No, but that would make sense because I've seen you with a hip bag. When have I worn a hip bag? Have I seen you with a hip bag before at festivals and stuff? No. I've worn a backpack. Would I not seen you in airports and stuff like that with the hip bag? No? I don't think so, no. I've nothing against hip bags. I just don't think I've ever had one. <laughs> His own hates hip bags. <laughs> Jeez, all right. I don't want to say. Do you, do you not have one? Oh, maybe I'm getting mixed up then. I presume maybe so you like, like a fanny was, pack. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, that's what I 
had assumed Amy meant. Yeah, no, but I, but I reading back now and hearing you talk about it, no, she 100% didn't mean that. She meant hip as in probably where to yeah. hold the, your diabetic yeah. stuff. <laughs> We're going off course here, Greg. Yeah. So hip bag as in a bag presumably to hold your diabetic supplies as, while you go for a run. Or, I'm, or just ima- I'm just imagining Amy driving around because I presume she's from Dublin and she just sees Danny walking with the, with a hip bag on his back and she goes, saw Danny there uh, the last day around Dunleary around Mike's because that's where he got his hip bag. I think it was Jan Sport <laughs> but it was really cool. Hip there you go. Maybe we should get a hip bag to sponsor the podcast. Yes, hip bags. If you're a hip bag, now you can be a bag around someone's hip. It actually is a good question because that's that's a very awkward part of exercising with diabetes, particularly if you're going for a run or going for a walk or a hike. Sometimes you're like, where, like, where do I put all of these things that I need to carry? My glucose, insulin, blood checkers. Anyway, I will ask that. I will ask Danny. <laughs> Stop, Graham. No, I'll tell you. Okay, ask Danny, and then the next podcast that we're on together. Yeah, can, that's what we'll do. We can. We'll ask it. Danny, Amy, what hip bag he used because I remember Danny reaching out to me when he was doing Helen back, and Helen back is kind of like a, I think it's a ten k obstacle course or an eight k yeah. obstacle course or something. Mm. And Danny had, I think, just recently been diagnosed, and he sent me a message, kind of asking how almost how to go about it. How should he? face this challenge and he got through it absolutely flew through it and he was more satisfied that he'd done it with diabetes than probably if he didn't have it which is always a nice thing so i will ask him about the hip bag the hip bag question has been dragged out a lot i apologize (laughs) but another thing amy asked was about how she would prepare for a hike Mm -hmm. and Long hikes and extended cardio sessions is always a difficult time or a difficult activity to plan for because the duration of it can complicate things, obviously. Because if you're hiking and walking all day, from my perspective anyway, it's greatly increasing the chances of my blood sugars just continuing to drop. So how I would personally go about planning for a long hike or a walk or a run or whatever it is would be three different ways. So the first one would be to do it completely fasted. Now, this is from my own perspective. So take what you think is valuable or relevant. So if I'm going for a run, I use a run as an example. I will do a run completely fasted. That means I've had no food. If I've had no food, It generally means I've had no fast-acting insulin. And because I have no fast-acting insulin on board, that greatly reduces the chance of my blood sugar rapidly dropping while I'm on my run. Now, that can depend on person to person because I know a lot of people that just can't train fasted or can't go for a walk even fasted. I personally don't have too much of an issue with it. So if I'm to do it fasted, it'll be first thing in the morning. A hike would obviously be longer. Another way that I would plan for something like that is to look at what I'm doing with my meal prior to the run or the walk or the hike. So if I know I'm doing some extended cardio exercise, I would likely reduce the amount of insulin that I'm taking with my meal prior to said exercise. 
So to give an example, if I'm having a meal before I go out for a run and it's 100 grams of carbs and I'm, let's say my insulin to carb ratio is 1 to 10, that means I typically require 10 units for that 100 grams of carbs. Because I know I'm going for a run, I will likely reduce that insulin by anywhere from 10 to 50%, depending on how long I think the run is going to be. Then the third way I would go about it is basically similar impact or, or similar effect to the previous one I've just spoken about, but it's to increase my carbohydrate intake prior to the exercise. So basically the same effect as reducing my insulin. But if I know that I'm eating more carbohydrate and not necessarily increasing my insulin dose to accommodate for that carbohydrate, it's the same effect. I'm, I'm expecting and wanting my blood sugar to go that slight bit higher yep. so that during my exercise, it levels itself out or doesn't drop so quickly if I was to take the same amount of insulin. So that's before, and I presume bring glucose tablets, maybe Lucozade. Absolutely. Sugary drink. If you are leaving your house, it's important that you have your insulin, something to check your blood sugar and something to treat a low blood sugar with. Yeah. Anytime you leave your house. And then if you're going on a long hike, like Amy said, she's planning on doing, make sure you have loads of things to treat a low blood sugar because you don't know how long you're going to be out for. You don't know what the weather is going to be like. You don't know what the intensity of the hike is going to be like. So it's important to always take way more than you think you might need just to be safe. So I would always bring glucose tablets, glucose drinks, and then probably a few protein bars, a few biscuits, those kind of things in a backpack or, or a hip, hip bag. bag. A hip, hip bag. bag. <laughs> just to make sure that you're always on the safe side doing something like that. Thanks for listening to this bite-sized episode of the Insulone Podcast. And if you want to listen to the full episode, you can check it out in the description. Chat to you soon.